0: If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce Dwight Pedlow, Dwight's an FEI dressage rider and three-day eventer, and he was a rider, and he's also doing a lot of coaching. How are you today, Dwight?
1: Very well, Glennis. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. Dwight, we normally start off with a favorite inspirational quote or a quote that you use when you're teaching. Have you got one for us?
1: Uh, I guess the best quote I use is, practice. Yep. Practice and practice. Yep. It's bum hours in the saddle that count. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. And it is hours in the saddle that count because uh, no matter how many lessons you're having, if you're not spending that time doing the practice and getting the hours in the saddle, you're not going to develop any sort of depth of seat.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it, and that's um, you know, I use the analogy that if you're um an airline pilot, you keep your airline pilot's license by how many hours you fly. Yep. Um, if you want to keep your night pilot's license, it's how many hours you fly, and people have got to realise they've got to actually practice what they learn on their yes. horses. So yes, that really right. comes down to it. Yep. Yep.
0: Dwight, I've known you for a long time, but I don't know how you actually started with horses. Do you want to tell yeah, us? Yeah, uh, that, that
1: started. At, yeah. yeah, that started obviously a long time ago. I had to think when I, when I was um, <laughs> yeah very young. Uh, my family, we grew up in the city in Perth, in Claremont. And my um, elder sister, first of all, got she's eight years older than me. She got involved in horses, and then so she went and had riding lessons at a school, a riding school, and then eventually bought a horse. Like you know, a lot of people start at least one, and then eventually my parents bought her a horse, and at about that time I started because. Everyone, every weekend we're being dragged off to be with the horse. I started having <laughs> riding lessons at the school. So, from about, I guess, eight years of age, I started having lessons. And then when I was 12, I got my first pony.
0: Great. All right. Do you remember his mm. name?
1: Yeah, his name was Just Winky. He was a little grey. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Tell me about him. He sounds very cute.
1: Yeah, he was. He was um, a grey. He was fairly old. He was about 14 or 15. Well, I guess not that old, but anyway, very quiet, very calm, not particularly flashy or anything, but really based learned to ride him. You could ride him bareback, ride him with a halter, go down to the beach with him, do whatever I wanted. It was, yeah, about, it was actually little, I was, I'm six foot tall now, but I was always kind of a tall, thin kid. Yeah. So uh, he, he was, uh, I think, just on 13 hands, so yeah. he wasn't yeah. a very small pony when I first started. Yeah, he was great.
0: All right. Sounds like a great pony. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you're sort of jumping then from Just Winky, from your first pony, and then you went on to become a professional instructor, did you do anything else when you first left school or did you go straight into working with horses? What's your story there?
1: Yeah, with my parents, things grew and we ended up having. Um, I had a couple of competition horses, and my sister had a couple of, well, my sisters had a horse each, and et cetera. And so eventually we moved to a hobby farm outside of Perth where we ended up having um, our horses, and my parents got involved in race horses. So then we started breeding, racing, training, owning racehorses as well. So yeah, I, I did finish school, I was the year 12, and then I went to uni to start an accounting degree, but I really didn't enjoy it that much and just kind of sat through the first year and then stopped and went home and helped train the racehorses while I competed. So yeah, it went really, I guess, straight into horses.
0: Yeah, sounds like a good situation to be in. And what an interesting one too, that your parents were supportive because you were from the city and then... You know, your sister got interested in horses and then it sounds like the whole family just turned around and turned into a horse place.
1: Yeah, it turned into a total disaster, as my father used to say. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was great. We, um, my sister, um, Robin, ended up having her, her owner trainer's licence. So. Okay. We bred mum and dad. We bred horses. We trained, broke them. You know, did the whole bit from from foal to actually racing. So that was the family business for some time. And did very well. From that, had lots of successful, nice horses. And um, and then I also competed in the background with my horses, which I loved more than the racing side of it. I, yes. I was more than happy to to keep with the competition horses.
0: Yeah. You've been in the industry a long time and you see a lot of people coming into the industry. What do you think are the core skills or the personality traits that they need to be successful in the horse industry?
1: Mm, I think the biggest thing about today, a lot of people don't have the, um, comes down, I guess, those hours, um, that experience of actually being with horses. So. And a lot of people um, tend to adjust their horses elsewhere and don't actually have the look after them themselves, so they don't get a lot of, um, I guess, life experience of being around them. So, mm-hmm. I'd suggest anyone wants to have a really successful career, they've got to actually get as much experience as possible being around horses and observing them, knowing. Yeah, I guess that that whole immersion in it is really important. It doesn't mean that you know you, you don't have to have that to be a successful coach or rider, obviously. But I think it certainly helps if you've had a, a big exposure to horses. I kind of look at in in lifetimes of horses. If you know we had, um, well, my history with the racing stables, we had um, you know twelve, fourteen brood mares there for you know eight or so foals a year, and then for eight and fold eight or so. Yearlings, weanlings, one year old, two year olds, three year olds, breakers, etc. And then all the existing horses and our competition horses. So, you know, any one year I'm handling being around 60, 70 horses. So, you know, that's just, you get a lot of experience of what happens with them, how they behave, how they're all different. And I think a lot of people today have had you know, a succession of, you know, five or six or maybe, you know, eight competition horses in a row. So that's only, you know, kind of eight lifetimes of a horse yep. experience as opposed to having lots of horses around you. Yeah, Yeah, so that's what I think is quite important if you want to get into the horse industry, but that's my point of view anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that whole immersion thing is good. You know, it's different. If you're actually living on the same property as the horses, but you're not just, you're sitting down, you're eating breakfast and you're talking horses and then you're, You know, on your days off, you're still looking out and you're looking at the horses and you're you're still riding your extra one and you're still doing all the extra stuff. Whereas when you've got your horse on adjustment, it's your whole other life and then you turn up the adjustment stable and then you leave again. You know, it's it's separated, isn't it. it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm, I mean, and obviously some people don't have the opportunity to, to do sure. that. And, you know, sure. we well, you know I was really fortunate we were able to do that. But, you know, it was a business and it had to run right into the business. But, um, you know, it was a great opportunity I had. So um, if you have that opportunity, you should try and grab it if you want to make yeah. a living from it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think appreciate it for the opportunity it is too. Yeah. All right. Now, mm, what most about, definitely. What about people who've influenced you?
1: I guess I've had a, a few people earlier on in um when I was I guess in my teens becoming a, a competitive rider, um a local when we moved from the city to our hobby farm, um or became more than a hobby farm, but yep. um a lady, Jan Godwin, down at Serpentine. She influenced me when I had a dressage horse show hack at the time and that was really fantastic. And then kind of moved on from her. Um, she was also chief instructor of the Pony Club we were at and remained involved in that for many years. Actually, I'm going down to the AGM at, at, at <laughs> awards night at Serpentine Pony Club this weekend so Good. you know the contact's still there. And then um, to a lady in WA named Heather Larwood and she was fantastic. And then I guess the biggest influence of my life was in the Dean Merriweather, who is a level three coach, FEI rider, um, has a great deal of knowledge. And yeah, I was very fortunate. She taught me a lot and got me involved in coaching as well. She told me I had to do it. So off I went and did it. (laughs) I didn't dare dare disagree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. All right. Now you've talked about Just Winky. What about other horses who have influenced you?
1: Yeah, we had um, quite a variety of them, I guess. I guess my... um, it was quite funny. One of the big horses that influenced her was one of our race horses, a funny little mare we had named um, Picture Me. She was a bit of a tricky ride, and um, no one else could often ride her. So, um, but she seemed to like me for some reason. So I used to train her, and I'd be the one that rode her at, at home and kept her fit in that. So she was a, a real character. So I really liked her as one of our race horses. She wasn't one of the most successful, but she was a an amazing horse. Mm-hmm. I had a dressage horse when I was 20 named Stralis. I bought him from Roger Fitzharding, used to compete him. He had come over from East to WA and he taught me a lot about dressage together with Nadine. So he, Stralis was, I guess, instrumental in, in that. And then I had a, a really good eventer and brought up from the ranks from the bottom um, called Border Patrol. And he was amazing. He won the first uh, in those days, it's called a, an advance one day event, I'm, I guess, equivalent of a. I don't know what they'd be today—a CIC three star or CMC three or whatever. But um, anyway, so um, WA, we had lots of fun with him. It was, he was a great horse, and mm-hmm. then I finished off with my FBI dressage horse, Mythical Jester, which was a really complex horse to ride, but taught me a lot. And uh, that was surprising—how you can learn so much all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. It's not just one horse. It, you know, I've sort of talked about one horse, but really, it's a progression of horses, and you learn something from all of them, don't you?
1: Mm, yeah that's the case, and now and with me, people said you know one minute you 're eventing and the next minute you're dressage riding, and then you're going back to this and myself, a lot of the time I, I didn't have enough time available to ride more than one horse, and mm-hmm. you know occasionally I might be lucky enough to have two horses in work myself for competition. I was around lots of other horses though but mm-hmm. um and teaching lots and helping people train, so it really when one horse kind of went away or you know, retired or got old or whatever i would um tend to then, you know, go out and, and look for a horse But I was never particularly, uh, you know, if it was a, found a really good type that was suitable for eventing, I was happy to do that. If I found a really good type around that was suitable for dressage, that's kind of what I did at the time. So okay. that was how that came about. It was, people found that a bit strange, but I, <laughs> I, I like the horse and then work out what we do with it.
0: <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right, now out of all of that, all the competitions that you've been to, what do you think's your proudest moment?
1: Proudest mode, possibly, I guess, winning from the Newdale Advanced Event here, and it was a big, a big one-day event with the Border Patrol. That was really a fantastic accomplishment. I felt um, to take the horse all the way through from four years to to win the major event in WA. Um, yep. That was really a great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and the horse deserved it. He he did really well. So that was, I guess, one of them. Yep.
0: Yep. All right, and one, or do you want to talk about another one, or are we?
1: Yeah, I think um, the last horse I had, Mythical Jester, he was really a complex horse. He was very spooky um, at Mm -hmm. times. He was, so if I wasn't careful, I'd end up on the ground. (laughs) Uh, So he could be um, really frightened easy by things, and that taught me a lot. um, about. He nearly didn't proceed past being just broken in because he was so, so difficult to Mm -hmm. handle and ride in those early days. So to actually, um, that's when I got, I guess, the other influence got involved with um, Andrew McLean and the equine behaviouralist, and um, just made sense to me. It just molded into um, what I'd always done with the horses, but put it in a more logical sense, I guess, or Mm -hmm. process. And if it wasn't for that, I guess this horse wouldn't have continued or I don't think anyone would have bothered with him. I certainly was getting close to not bothering with him and then to end up having a horse that was, you know, go all the way to pre George and be a really reliable competition horse was, I guess, an accomplishment different to actually the level of what he ended up just actually giving this horse the opportunity to be successful and successful. And enjoy being ridden.
0: <laughs> what what do you think your key thing was there with Andrew? You know, what was your key learning that you think changed it from a horse that you weren't gonna bother with to a horse that you're obviously very proud of? Was it one thing or a few yeah, things?
1: It was a whole lot of things. I guess the the biggest thing was um a lot of the different types of, you know, horse handling, I guess however you want to call it, mm. you know, be it natural or God I won't put any categories on them or whatever they are. A lot of it, um, you know, didn't necessarily makes sense to me how you bring that into you know I was interested in competing mm. I like competing I yep. like like doing doing well I like I love training the horse kind of actually I should start away I don't not so much like competing I like really training the horse really yep. well and, yep. and therefore the consequence we compete so I really like the training side of it and I guess with this particular horse it me really sit back and look at how the horse really reacts to, to stimuli, and in particular uh, with this horse, it was about movement, um, not noise. Mm-hmm. So I could have kind of, you know, and it was only when you're on the on riding him it was about. So, you know, I, we used to always joke that my, you know, and then st- at that stage, my 10-year-old daughter could have you know, led him down the the mall in the centre of the city on Christmas shopping day and he would have just walked behind her on the end of yep. a lead rope without yep. without worrying. But if I'd sat on him, you know, I would have been killed. So, you know, just learning what that was all about and, and how he reacted to things and teaching him not to relax and actually training him not to shy so violently and mm-hmm. and in the end I we had a strategy and, and I could actually, you know, most of the, well, the past couple of years, you know, I could stop him from shying and he reduced how much he would react, um, you know, just massively. So mm. I would actually stay on rather than be on the ground. I mean, he'd shy so violently on you know on two occasions, he fell over as well. Okay. So he was really he would you know, you just the next thing you'd touch the ground you'd be um both him and you'd be you know, he'd jump, you know, mm. four or five mm. meters sideways. Yeah. So um yeah. to modify all that was I think yeah quite good. mm
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. What about a common problem that you might see when you're teaching or out and around? It could be one of your students or other people. I want you to talk about the problem but also then how to correct it.
1: I guess I don't know if I'm gonna do that slightly apart from the particular problem. I think it's really important that people can actually assess what their horses are doing. And I'm a big one on um, you know, being a dressage rider and a van rider, you riding lines, and I think mm-hmm. the biggest problem is people actually learning to ride where they're actually going and actually if they're riding a circle that it's round if they're riding a straight line it's straight and actually realizing um so i guess that the problem of of riding lines and being able to therefore identify is the horse falling in or falling out or does he head off to the left when you trot down the center line or whatever so uh, i guess you know one of the big things I, i really get my riders to think about is of the line they're riding and then from that comes obviously the rhythm and tempo and balance and all that. But unless you actually Going somewhere, mm. I don't see the point. So uh, I get in a car to drive down to the corner shop to get a carton of milk. It's no good me getting in the car and ending up at the hardware store when I need yep. a bottle of milk. Yep. So you know, unless you're actually going somewhere, mm. what's the point? <laughs> so I guess um, you know my biggest thing about people is you know riding lines, being uh, and therefore you can assess what your horse is doing and and teaching my riders to be responsible for their own. You know, To actually really you know be able to leave the lessons go away and assess what they're doing and and make good decisions they're riding and and, it, and all comes down to riding lines and and really what they're doing and and the horse is going I don't know okay. I don't know if that's what you wanted
0: Yeah no I think that's good and I'm just just going to ask you you know because obviously accuracy is an important part particularly if you you're going to go out. And compete, um, you know, you ride your accuracy in training. Do you start like right Mm -hmm. from the warm up or do you warm up first and then say, right, now we've warmed up, now we're going to focus on accuracy? Or do you go, no, accuracy is important right from the very start of when you first get on your horse?
1: Yeah, I literally yeah, take it from you know when we're breaking them in and mouthing them and long reining them yep. that they actually you know go where you want. <laughs> yeah, and yep. the same you know the first time you get on your horses, you they you know they they you know if you, you know, obviously they're very green and, and don't know much, and you you know just have a, you know maybe if they kind of accept that that's really great, but you know if you. You, they need to stop, you know, you, they stop or if you need to turn left, they turn and if they start to drift out to the outside, you put your leg on them and teach them to, that's what that means. So it's an ongoing thing. So I guess the answer is, It all comes together and accuracy and, and, uh, you know, you can still warm up your horse long and low and do transitions and all that, but I will still make sure that it's going exactly where I want it to go. Yep. Um, Yep. Obviously, the more school the horse is, the easier that is and it's greener. It's it's a less accurate line, but I I certainly know where I want to be heading.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website, again, is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. No, and I know you've done quite a lot of work on, you know, the education of writing accurate school figures, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in another interview, but yeah, I thought Ooh. I'd mention it here, and we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, a bit later on.
1: No, that would be great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, have you got a book that you'd recommend for our listeners?
1: Yeah, i I really, actually, I'm really just the German principles of training, really. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a pretty popular one. Yep. Yeah, that's it. And I, and then it might be a strange one. The next thing is actually the EA rule book for the sport you're in. Yep. Uh, because it intrigues me where people get so much strife over not following the rules yep. and, and, you know, blame event organisers or blame someone else or blame this. And I'm thinking, well, actually, it's the writer's responsibility to know the bit, this, to that, what they can and can't do in warm-up areas. So I'd suggest um, starting point is actually, um, you know, read your rule books. It's interesting.
0: Um, we were talking in an earlier interview with our sports psychologist or you know, mental skills coach, and she said that the elite riders, you know, one difference between elite riders and riders that are riding at a low level and not progressing is the, they take responsibility you know of what they need to it's not it's not necessarily what the responsibility is but the fact that they take responsibility and aren't blaming judges aren't blaming other riders and aren't blaming their horse they take responsibility and yeah as you say one of those things is knowing the rules yep
1: yeah, I agree entirely, um, obviously, what, what you said because um, it is, you know, myself as a competitor, it's my responsibility to enter the event on time. It's yep. my responsibility to find out where my draw is or know yep. when the class is. It's my responsibility to rock up on time. My responsibility to be warmed up yes. um and to get into the arena and you know i it, it's simply you know i've just always been thankful if events's been held <laughs> that I yes. can have the opportunity to ride you know yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've i've in my years of competition i've never questioned a draw i've never um you know asked to be shifted or or done anything like that because it's you know that's, that's you know just the my, 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 my thing if i yeah, if i'm entering an, an event. I they give me, I'm going to ride at 10 o'clock. I, I don't think I'm saying so I need to feed my cat then. Can I ride at 10 or <laughs> yes. 11? Yep. So, yep. you yep. know, it, it's something, you know, yeah. So, exactly, it's yourself, the competitor's responsibility to, to make sure it's successful outcomes. Good, good.
0: Now, have you got horses now? What are you looking forward to? Is it riding, training, coaching?
1: Um, no. Actually, I've just had a bit of a change. My um, last dressage horse, he um, retired about um, 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, became unsound from an injury. So um, I've actually, uh, and my body even was more unsound, so I actually decided to stop riding, which was a big, big adjustment and had a lot more time coaching. And, and, and then that changed, I ended up... Um, Becoming the I'm now the CEO of Equestrian WA, so um, I'm doing some coaching, not as much as I had had been doing just recently, but I'll still still um, do some, and and I'm still a coach educator, and obviously uh, yep. EA, um, um, level two coach. So yeah, yeah, so, a bit of a change just recently. <laughs> okay,
0: now what about summing up your philosophy into a lesson today? Can you sum that up? Just
1: I think um, that people have got to like the horse. I find, um, I wonder about some riders, whether they actually like their horses, (laughs) have empathy with their horses. Um, I see them riding them and warming up and how they, not that they're mistreating, I don't mean that, Um, because that's obvious and that's intolerable, but I think um, some people forget about the animal it's more a means to an end so i guess you know maybe i'm not a, a super high competitive person I, I like i was but um you know i think the the horse is is a partnership so i think that's really and, and the same with a coach you know i see some people coaching i think do they actually like horses and other people it's obvious that they like the horse mm. so i guess the philosophy is we're privileged to have these animals around us and Um, It shouldn't be taken for granted and and really, um, you know, people around horses should should hopefully actually like them. (laughs) Yes. I don't know if that's a bit mean to say, but that's what I sometimes come away when I've been watching.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. I think that certainly raises awareness, you know, that it is a sport. It is a partnership, even if you're riding as an individual rider. You're still in a partnership and you're still in a team and the horse is part of your team.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it, and you know, and that comes from everything you do with them, and handle them, treat them, look after them, and etc. And and that's the same, and you know, uh, and I guess that was the the thing with the and you know the behaviour of the horses is you know when they do something wrong, it's not because they're vindictive and they've been sitting all afternoon in the paddock thinking when they get on, you know, <laughs> I'm going to do this. Yeah. That that's not the case. They you know, they react for a reason. It's up to us to hopefully being the smarter party to work that out and to therefore adjust our training to to improve it yeah so i think that's being that acknowledgement of how lucky we are to have them and to actually enjoy it yep
0: yep good all right now do i how can people contact you
1: If you go on the Equestrian Australia website under coaches, I'm there. So um, my contact details are there. So they can look me up on the EA website and, um, yep, so contact me through that or or here at Equestrian WA as well, I guess, if it's um, something more to do with those type of things. But, um, yeah, so. They can also
0: contact through horsechats.com slash Dwight Pedlow. right. Dwight, it's been wonderful talking to you today. Thank you very much. And um, I will hope to talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, guys. It's been fantastic.
0: (laughs) Okay, Dwight. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com.